Welcome to episode 70 of the Implant Games Podcast. Uh, as you can see here, I am flying solo, no Austin. Um, so, those of you watching this on YouTube uh, may not be aware, but I used to do a podcast for about three years or so um, with a buddy of mine, Austin, over at Gameplay and Talk. And we did 70 episodes total, ending with 69 starting at zero. And uh, a lot of people like that show. Um, but it kind of ran its course. I think we took it as far as we could. Um, it was a lot of fun catching up every week. Um, I would say we had a couple hundred people, maybe a few dozen that were really into it, really dedicated. And I still get questions about uh, starting it up again. So I don't know if this is going to be a regular thing. I haven't really had a lot to talk about um, in quite some time. And that's kind of why I haven't kept the show going. So I don't really have somebody I want to do the show with. Um, with Austin, it was really helpful that he was very knowledgeable. Um, he had a great voice, better than mine for sure. And he could record audio and uh, edit and do things like that. So it was kind of nice having a, a partner that could do a lot of the hard work as well. So at times I would make the show, other times he would make the show. A lot of times we would argue about how to make this show, uh, but it all worked. So um, you just have me. So if you're on YouTube, you can hear me. And hopefully I surprised a few of you that uh, are still subscribed to the podcast feed on iTunes or, or whatever you use for podcasting. Um, but it's just going to be me. And uh, the reason why I wanted to do this show in particular um, was some things that happened uh, with Classic Game Room, actually. And uh, Classic Game Room is a one of the first YouTube shows that uh, got really popular on YouTube uh, by a guy named Mark Bustler. And I'm sure you all know or are familiar with Classic Game Room. Um, but I've been watching the show probably since 2008, 2009 when it started. And at times I would watch a lot of his shows and I'd probably go months without watching any of them. Um... Like everybody else, because he did a lot of content. And a few months back, he kind of made a video that he was winding things down. I believe it was in November, um, which kind of made sense to me. He's got comic books. He's got some other things going going on. I know he's done documentary filmmaking. I thought maybe his time had come and he was going to move his career in other directions. I was more kind of disappointed that CGR Undertow would be shutting down because I thought uh, Derek over there did an awesome job with his videos. I thought there was something different than what everybody else had done. And uh, I really enjoyed him. So he went on for another month and kind of ended the show and, and that was sad. And then uh, something weird happened, something interesting happened. Um, I'm sure Classic Game Room probably has a few thousand really hardcore dedicated fans that didn't want to see the show go. And um, the YouTube ad revenue model, like anything new, like back in 1998, 1999, you could make a living off just little banner ads on a website. And then obviously that kind of, that bubble burst and people had to figure out other ways to make uh, to make a living making a website. So that could be selling products, that could be having sponsorships or sponsored articles or other things I'm probably not even aware of. But things kind of evolved and things kind of shift. So when we read Engadget today, we know that all of those writers are getting paid and there's a CEO and, you know, it's it makes profit, it makes money, and it doesn't just do that with banner ads. It evolved. And um, when I read Engadget, you know, it's free for me, but I understand <laughs> I'm going to have to go take care of my laundry, otherwise that's going to beep every five minutes. So I'll be right back. 
All right, so the laundry is taken care of. Um, so back a little bit about making money on the internet being like an entertainment company. Um, so YouTube obviously came along, what, 2005 and uh, started being pretty big in 2000 or so. And, you know, there's documentaries or you know people and obviously PewDiePie makes millions of dollars uh, being an internet celebrity or an internet personality. And that bothers some people. Some people don't like the fact that someone made a bunch of stupid videos, put them on YouTube, and then made millions of dollars. And that's fine. You don't really have to like it. Um, you could say the same thing about Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt or, you know, Joel Schumacher or Quentin Tarantino that, you know, they just make, they just make movies. That's not a real job. Um, they don't deserve, you know, a, a YouTube celebrity or a YouTube personality. You know, that's not a real job. And uh, they shouldn't make money for it. And I kind of don't really get that. Um, you know, mechanics work on cars because they love them. And firefighters, you know, save people's lives because that's what fulfills them. And I don't really see the difference there. Um, if somebody wants to entertain and the chosen medium is the internet, then, you know, so be it. If they made it work, they made it work. And good for them. Uh, I don't feel any need to, to tear them down and say it's not real or it's not legit or they didn't earn that. Um, everything's changing right now. Um, the way I'm 32, um, the way I consumed media when I was 15, let's say, 17 years ago, is very different than what a 15 year old today consumes media. And 17 years from now, it's going to be all different. The idea of paying $130 for a cable or satellite is going to be absurd. Just like going out to the store and buying a, a $15 CD today is absurd. Like, that's how we used to buy music. We used to go buy a CD and then put it in our car or a CD player. And uh, that's not how it works anymore. And because that kind of moves and evolves and, you know, if it's iTunes now or streaming radio, kind of opens it up for other people, for new people um, to kind of get their foot in the game. You don't have to have a, a record label and all these other things in the way. You can connect to your audience right away. Um, so if somebody, Justin Bieber is a terrible example, but obviously he became famous because of YouTube and he was able to connect direct with his audience without having any layers in the way. Um, so should he be punished then? Oh, you're not a real artist until you sign with a label and release albums and go on tour and all of those things. Um, I don't really get that. Anybody should be able to, you know, follow their dream and do what they want. If somebody feels they were born to, to sing or play music or, um, you know, do animation or whatever it is, play guitar, like, there's nothing in the way anymore. And I think it's kind of wrong to look at that as not a real job because we can all do anything we want now. Um, well, not everybody. I certainly can't. I still have a real job in addition to doing all of this, but... Um, Kind of getting back on track. So I want to tell two stories here. I'm going to move into some comments I read that inspired this whole episode. Um, and then I'll go out with something gaming related if uh, if you guys stuck around. Um, so Classic Room. Before Classic Game Room announced they were shutting down. I want to talk about Metal Jesus Rocks. Which is something I've been subscribed to probably since the beginning. 2010, 2011. Something like that. Talented guy. A lot of energy, you know, goofy looking, just like exactly what you want from an internet personality. Somebody that doesn't look like they're on TV, because that's why I watch YouTube, because it's more entertaining than television. 
So a few months ago, I want to say over the summer, maybe in the fall, um, he did, I think it was a GoFundMe or something like that. I don't really remember. It didn't last long. It kind of blew up in the guy's face. Um, maybe he deserved it. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Um, but he kind of wanted to take his popularity, and he started a GoFundMe trying to raise, I think, somewhere between fifty dollars and $80,000 so that he could buy a van and go on tour. And I don't doubt for a moment his intentions were absolutely genuine and pure. I don't think the video is up anymore, but if you watched it, like, he was really excited. Like, I can't wait to meet all of you. You know, I'm going to be like a rock star from the 80s, getting a van and going on tour and meeting all of my fans. And we're going to go all across the country and we're going to document everything and share it with the world. And, like, he was really, really excited about it. It was an interesting idea, I guess. And um, obviously he didn't even come close. Again, these are just rough numbers. I think most of it's disappeared. I think it became pretty clear that he wasn't going to hit his goal. Um, but people were really excited. If you like looked at the comments, people were like, yeah, I can't wait to meet you. And, you know, they wanted to be part of the metal militia or whatever. Um, you know, that he decided to call uh, his folks and um, people got really upset about it. People were like, this is, you know, ridiculous. Why would I give you money to go on, you know, live out your, you know, rock fantasy? Um, I think those people kind of had a point. I certainly am not going to give anybody money to go buy a bus and go on tour. I kind of feel like you have to earn it. Uh, but the intentions were good. It was an interesting social experiment and it made for some interesting reading on some Facebook groups. Again, I, I, I believe his intentions were pure and good, and he, he didn't do it with any sort of ill intent or, or big ego. He thought it was a neat idea. He went for it, and uh, it just didn't work out, and that's fine. Um, I think if somebody, you know, like Angry Video Game Nerd did the same thing, it would probably work, but he's kind of built up millions of fans, and he kind of he earned it in a way. Where I think he could do it and people would be upset, but I think his hardcore fans would be like, yeah, right on. And that's fine. Which then leads to Classic Game Room shutting down. And from what I gather, um, thousands and thousands of his fans were like, man, just start a Patreon. Um, start a Patreon and make this a fan-funded show. You don't have to worry about YouTube ad revenue or you don't even have to worry about views. Whether you get 2,000 or 2 million, it doesn't matter because we're going to support you. And this is kind of new. I've had a Patreon for a while. Um, I just kind of put it there. I've never made a video saying support me. And um, I just made it. It's there. And I'm fine with that. I, Whatever. It's there. If someone says, how do I support you? I have an answer. Um, and that's that. That's all I view it as. I don't want to give out my address and have people send me games. I don't like that. Um, so I've known about Patreon because a lot of podcasts I've listened to over the last few years have kind of, they were early adopters of Patreon. So basically, it's kind of like a voluntary subscription service. So I'm just going to use the Classic Game Room as an example. You could go to patreon.com slash classic game room or Metal Jesus Rocks or Happy Video Game Nerd or Rerez or whatever. And you can say, hey, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you five bucks a month to keep going. So it's like a voluntary subscription, which I think is really cool. And I, again, kind of alluding back to what we talked about earlier and about media consumption and how the Internet kind of democratizes everything. I think it is the wave of the future because like the Internet back in the early or late 90s, ads only go so far before it stops working 
and you have to come up with new ideas. So I've always thought Patreon was a great idea. You have a podcast, you really dig it, give them two bucks a month, right? No big deal. Um, it's a fraction of the cost that you you pay for cable, um, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, um, whatever the case may be. Like, I watch Walking Dead. I don't have cable. Um, so when Walking Dead comes on, I spend like the three or 284 or 384 an episode so that I can watch it the next day. Like, so I spend 12 bucks a month for three months to watch uh, The Walking Dead a day after it airs. So I don't really see a problem with giving somebody a dollar an episode or a couple bucks a month. And, you know, it just makes sense to me. It works in my head. And some people really hate that, but we'll get into that with the comments. So Classic Game Room finally caved and said, fine, you guys all wanted me to set up a Patreon. I'm going to set up a Patreon. I need $5,000 a month to do it part-time or $10,000 a month to do it full-time. And uh, within 24 hours, he hit his $5,000 goal. And it looks like it's possible he might hit his $10,000 a month goal. So he built up a fan base big enough, loyal enough, supportive enough to be like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll give you a couple bucks a month if you keep entertaining me. And everybody wins. I don't have to pay him anything. Um, I don't get, you know, $10 worth of uh, entertainment out of him a month. Maybe, I don't know. I get, I am entertained. I guess that's not the point. The point is, is that he has a thousand hardcore fans that want to see him continue. And he met his goal. And I, I think that's really, really awesome. Um, obviously, I wish I was in that same boat, but it's just not in the cards for me. And other people are in varying stages of, of being able to make that work for them. And that's just one, you know, piece of the pie. You've got Patreon, you've got YouTube ad revenue, you know, selling merchandise. Um, I don't know whatever else people do writing I don't know um, so I thought that was really really cool and I'm really happy for him I'm really happy for his fans that really dig it and the show's not gonna die it's gonna continue for those guys and, and that's really awesome um, so on Atari age so it would have been I guess around the end of December when Mark announced the Patreon campaign, a thread was made on AtariAge.com. They have really active forums that I really, really enjoy. I've posted there for 11 years now, um, so I'm not a noob or anything. And um, someone posted, hey, you know, Mark's doing this. You should, if you're into it, support it, and that's fine. But there were a couple comments that really bothered me and actually, like I said, inspired me to sit in front of here, hit record, and, and talk to everybody. Um, so the first one, I know the second person was actually a subscriber, so I'm going to try and treat this with as much respect as I can. Obviously, I'm not into you know the theatrics and bashing people and cursing, and it's just not what I'm about. So from Great Herophant. Am I the only one who has an issue with directly soliciting people for money? I have no issue with some. In I have no issue with someone having an ad play before their before their video starts. On YouTube, the ads are either usually skippable, short, or do not play before every video. That is how YouTube supports itself. And I have no problem with YouTube video creators getting a small slice of the pie. Nor do I have a problem if people click on Amazon affiliate links on a blog entry to buy something. Amazon, the buyer, and I all make something tangible out of it. When you ask people to donate on Patreon, you are essentially setting up a voluntary subscription service. You are, asking for, you are asking strangers for money. I always felt that it is kind of demeaning. If you can make videos on YouTube, you should be able 
You should be able to make a living or have the skills for another kind of job. Otherwise, treat it as a hobby that gives you some extra coffee money. Alrighty. Am I the only one that has an issue directly soliciting people for money? If you're 30 or over, it's probably weird. If you're 29 or under, it's probably normal. I'm, I've never asked anybody for money before because it's not my thing. He didn't ask people for money. He said, you all asked to give me money, so I'm caving. I didn't want to do this, and here you go. And he did it because people asked him to. Um, I have no issues with someone having an ad play before their video starts. Let's see. I have, I have no problem with YouTube video contributors getting a small piece of the pie. That's kind of absurd to me. If, like take a movie, right? So thousands of people, it takes thousands of people to create a movie. Who should get that movie revenue? Should it be all of those people that actually made the movie? Or should it be, you know, the, the executives that just, you know, have their connections, put it in theaters, and I don't know. Like, the people that actually made the product are the ones that should get most of the money. It's why, in sports, the people that actually play the game, that are doing the entertaining, get a majority of the money. Because that's logical. That makes sense. Um, so that's so weird. Some of that makes a video should just get a little portion of the ad revenue. For what it's worth, I think YouTube is 30%. I think you get 30, YouTube takes 70, maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. I don't really make any money. So I couldn't tell you. But I don't get that. I can't wrap my head around that. That YouTube should get everything for all of your work. Like, that's not right. Uh, if you can make videos on YouTube, you should either be able to make a living or have the skills for another job. Yes. If it's like I said before, I'm never going to be on network TV. I'm never going to be able to produce a show at the quality that I can take it to cable television and say, hey, turn me into a television show. Does that make me any less real? Does that make me any less genuine? Does that mean you who are watching this, you know, should treat me different than any other form of entertainment? That I really can't get behind. Mark is, and everybody, Metal Jesus, um, Happy Video Game Nerd, Game Sack, they're all immensely talented, entertaining people. And I don't think that I should be telling people, no, don't support them. Um, <laughs> I don't get that. I, I like the subscription model where you give the artist money and skip all the layers. To me, that makes sense. And, and good for all of those that are, are finding success. And sorry, great Hierophant. I just I can't understand your logic. Now, the next one is actually uh, a YouTuber and a subscriber of this channel. Um, Jibba Jabba on Atari Age or Classic Gaming Quarterly on YouTube. Um, he writes, Nope, maybe it's no big deal to the younger generation, but I find it pretty cringeworthy. Don't ask me to pay for your hobby or to pay you to sit at home making internet videos instead of going out and working a steady job. <sighs> when does creating videos go from a hobby to being a job? When did being, you know, working on a working on cars, right? That could be your hobby. All of your friends come to you, give you a little money on the side, and then you decide to open a garage. You've turned your hobby into a job. And I don't think I would be like, no, Harry, you need to go work in an office. Get a real job. Stop tinkering around with cars. Like, that's just such baloney. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to support classic game room. You can look at it 
you make your own videos and they're done for fun for you or for a hobby and that's really great and you know I appreciate that you you make that content and you put it out there and you don't expect anything in return um, but at the same time somebody that does want to do it for a living I don't think I should crap all over their dreams and aspirations I just I don't get it maybe I'm too optimistic maybe that's the problem I'm not sure um, but I guess the kind of the point I'm trying to make here is whether you're trying to get a van and go on tour or whether you just want to, you know, scream EDF in New Jersey and play Atari 2600 for 60 hours a week, like, whatever. Just go out and try and make it happen and forget the haters. All right, the last thing I want to talk about is the Oculus Rift. So this will be the gaming portion of today's podcast. Um, so the Oculus Rift is a uh, virtual reality goggles. They've been working on it for years and uh, it's finally going to be a consumer product that everyone can buy. So you can go on their website and pre-order it for $600. And um, I don't pay a lot of attention to new gaming things. I mean, I have a Wii U instead of an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4 because those are the kinds of games I like. I like Nintendo games. They remind me of my youth. Um, so the Oculus Rift is something new and exciting. It's it's either where the future is going or it's just going to be a colossal failure. And a lot of people got really upset that it's going to cost $600. Um, which again, me being optimistic, I kind of don't get what there is to be upset about it. If you don't find it to be worth $600, if you don't value the technology at $600, don't buy it. I don't understand why you would get angry about it. Like, maybe you really want it, but then you got upset it was too much? I don't know. People spend $600 on all sorts of crazy things. PlayStation 3 was, what, 600 when it came out, was it not? People bought it. Other people got really upset it was that expensive and waited for the price to come down, because that's what you do. Do I think it is... So there's, you know, again, I don't want to bash anyone that got really upset at the $600 price, but... If it succeeds, the price will come down, and when it finally hits your value level, whether that's 400 or 200 or $99, like, it'll get there. And then, you know, you can be happy. I won't be buying it, because I'm just not that interested. I can't record the footage and put it on YouTube, so why bother? Alright, so it kind of brings me into Nintendo's next system. So, but think about, I've been thinking about this a lot. So obviously the Wii U has not been a very big success. Um, I have one, I've got six or seven games for it. Um, most of them I bought new, and um, I think it's great. Um, it's an awesome Netflix and Hulu player. I like the fact that I can play it like a handheld game, or I can play it on uh, a large television. I like that the online is fast and clean and I don't have people cursing at me and yeah it's a great system with some awesome games and I like it um, but I'm in the minority not very many people feel like me I think they've sold like 10 million so I think they finally passed like the Dreamcast install base and the Dreamcast killed Sega so that kind of puts things into perspective Thankfully, they've got the 3DS, that's very profitable, and Nintendo will be just fine. Amiibos, Pokemon, the company's just fine. They don't have, the Wii U doesn't have to be successful for the company to be profitable. Um, but I would be curious what they do with their next system. Obviously, every system kind of has a gimmick. So the N64 and the GameCube had really strange controllers. The N64, 
you know, had the, you could plug memory cards and rumble packs into it. The GameCube was kind of wonky, but uh, had all those add-ons that you could put on the bottom for online play and Game Boy playing. And then the Wii obviously had motion controls. And then the Wii U tried to capture the Wii and the DS all in one, and it didn't really work. But um, I'd be curious to see if they kind of make their own virtual reality. I think the the Nintendo NX or whatever it's going to be called, if it embraced um, virtual reality in a cheap way, two ninety nine, maybe three ninety nine, and could give you that high end experience, that might be interesting. And I can imagine something like launch games, like maybe say Madden or Call of Duty launching with that and then i think nintendo would be right back in the game and um i think virtual reality is still a couple years away from being really awesome something that we all want um but i think nintendo might be a might be a company that can make it happen so there's no rumors of that i'm just speculating that i think it's something that they might be working on they could be working on and um everything in the gaming industry is all about timing um, and if they time it just right, the, the Nintendo NX is going to be really, really awesome. And if they time it wrong, then it's going to probably fail like the Wii U. Um, what are we at on time here? My goal was kind of to hit 30 minutes. The podcast usually ran 60 minutes to maybe an hour and 15. And um, I, w- I would like it to be around 30 minutes just for this format, especially as a video where I'm talking to you. I don't know how many of you can listen to me talk for that long. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Now, obviously, if you enjoyed the video, please let me know. Um, If you're listening to this, um, just the MP3 file as a podcast, go to implantgames.com, leave a comment, let me know what you think. I probably am not going to do this show if nobody cares, and I'm not going to probably do the show with a partner. So if I was going to continue the show, it's going to be this format. It's going to be me talking about YouTube, talking about classic games, modern games, and uh, it's going to be this half-hour format of me talking into a camera. Um, And if you don't like that, let me know. If this is just boring, let me know. If you really dig it or if you have questions or anything like that to to get episode 71 going, that would be awesome as well. But uh, I'm Chris Genthy, guys, and have yourself a great day.